Welcome back to season two of the Ivy League Prep Academy podcast, equipping you to successfully pursue the college of your dreams. We believe everyone deserves to reach their full potential and the admissions process shouldn't hold you back. All right, hello everyone. I am really excited because we have a real treat for us today. Corey Fisher is here and Corey is in the current cohort of the Ivy League Challenge. In other words, he's just in phase two, not even finished with the entire course, but Corey has been taking a lot of steps that move him in the direction of starting an impact project that I can already see is going to be amazing. And so I really want to have this discussion with him and share this discussion with the world so that everyone can kind of hear the steps that you go through to begin a really, really outstanding impact project. And so, Corey, thank you so much for taking a few minutes of your time and sharing your story with us. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. This is fantastic. So you're just in phase two, not even finished with phase three. You, We haven't in class, we haven't talked about outreach to professors yet. You haven't received the email templates, at least not from me. Uh, and so I'm really excited to hear how everything evolved because I know you're already in contact with experts. You're already doing so many things correctly, but I want to begin at the beginning. So when we began this course, uh, you we started learning about our core values, right? Through phase one, we figure out who we are, what matters most to us, why those things matter, so that we can be motivated and inspired from our core, rather than looking outside it at what other people are doing or thinking and trying to behave so that we can fit into what everyone else is doing. We look inwardly to see what matters most to us, and that's where our confidence comes from. That's where it's just a much better way to live life, right? So we started yeah. with core values, and then we moved to impact project. And the first assignment that you got in phase two was to come up with seven ideas for a potential impact project. Um, can you share with us what those seven ideas were or, or what a few of them were and kind of what was going on in your mind at that stage when we were just beginning this process? Yeah, sure. So a lot of it boiled down to my core values, which are value for human life, um, authenticity, and um, passion. So all those things are like my core values that I, I, that I like to live by and I like to associate my impact project with. So the first step for my impact project was to research with a psychologist about improving mental health and cancer patients. And then um, maybe implementing like weekly mental health screening to just improve their overall mental health and like, uh, their like patient visit and things like that. Um, my second idea was um, to, I have a fundraiser that I had uh, created when I was in eighth grade um, for uh, my friend who passed away from cancer, which kind of sparked this whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then bring that idea to the key club. But that idea was just kind of like a smaller impact project, which I kind of built on. Um, the third idea I had was to develop and obtain funding for a scholarship with, uh, for teens with cancer and their siblings. Um, and then the fifth idea was to make a board of questions um, about different emotions, like how are you feeling today? And then stick up motion cards on the board and then based on that answer, the doctor will come in and they'll address it and they'll spark communication between the doctor and the patient. And then if the um, doctor is not equipped with the tools to talk to the patient, uh, I was going to work with a psychologist to get a workshop so that they could be equipped with those tools so they can better address the patient. 
And that was kind of where my impact project really started from. That's the idea that I'm really doing. Um, but then there was one last one that I had was set up an outside of school bullying support group with library for patients or like just anyone in general. Um, because a lot of this has to do with like mental health and cancer, but uh, I was also thinking about just the mental health side, but that's pretty much my starting of it. Incredible. All right. So during phase one, you tie into the fact or you tap into the fact that your best friend a few years ago tragically passed away from cancer. And so you're familiar with a community of people who have a need or multiple needs, and, and you're very intimately familiar with those needs and with those people. You're yeah. also a lot younger than doctors who help these people. And so you had private conversations with your friend. You knew what they were going through. And so you're, you're just aware of things from the perspective of someone who's your age, which is obviously uh, an asset and not a liability, right? A lot of people might think, well, who are you to go and help out, uh, you know, help doctors figure this out? You're not a doctor. Um, and, uh, and what you began to discover through phase one is that actually I'm exactly who doctors need because I am the age, or I recently was the age of a lot of these pediatric cancer patients. And I mm -hmm. had my best friend, I've talked him through this entire process. I'm exactly who the doctor needs. All right. So that's fantastic. How did you pare your ideas down? Because here you just read through multiple ideas. How did you pare your ideas down? And what is your idea now? So in the beginning, I had a lot of ideas that all had to do with like mental health and cancer and things like that. So I knew I wanted to focus on that. But yeah. there was one that just really stuck out to me. And it's kind of, it felt like it was my own idea that I used other ideas to create. And I just kind of bundled them up into like one massive, like core idea. And it was from all the other ideas that I created, like the support group and the research with the psychologist. And then I all pushed that into one. And it's kind of like a massive little bubble of my impact project. Mm -hmm. So what I did then was I decided to make the board for the cancer patients. And I reached out to a psychologist and he wrote back to me and we're meeting on Monday about um, my just overall plan and how I plan to implement the different screenings, which I talked about in the beginning with the weekly thing. Um, and then how I can compare the beginning part of the screening to after I implement the board idea with the emotions and things like that to see if it helps. And then I could write a paper on that and then publish it. And then that's just kind of the impact project idea that I'm following right now. Okay. Incredible. Now, how did you, uh, how did you tone or, or kind of pare down your ideas? So I do know one thing that I, I may, add, well, I'll just, I'll just say almost every class. I, uh, of course, after every class, I, for those who don't know, those of you who, who haven't been in the Ivy League Challenge or or, uh, or whatever, haven't listened to my podcast and, and don't know this yet, I stay after class for any students who want to just chat with me one-on-one, -on -one, and I stay until everyone has left the Zoom room. And Corey, you stayed after class, I think, every single class. There might have been one when you didn't stay after very long. But you stayed after and you chatted with me about this. And so I know a little bit about the evolution of how this idea evolved. But from your perspective, how did you how did you kind of organize your thoughts to get to where you are today over the weeks? So I created a spreadsheet um, of different ideas that I had made and the different I did a literature search on Google about different articles and things like that compared to 
my ideas as well. And I tried to see like, what was the most prevalent thing that was all in all the different literatures. And a lot of it was mental health, cancer patients, and then um, like screenings. So I decided mm. that I was going to combine those ideas based on the search that I had done. And then I made a spreadsheet on it with the different researchers. I got their emails from the, um, from the title, the, the first author of yep. the research. And then I crafted an email. I have like an eight or nine page document of different emails that I've drafted specific to each researcher. Mm-hmm. And I would write the email in the document first, and then I would copy and paste it into an email and send it out. Um, a lot of times, uh, why I did this three times so far, and all three times I've gotten responses. Uh, you know, the first response I got, it was it was a positive response, but they said they weren't at the right time to work with me. The second response I got, the psychiatrist working with me. So I just kind of, through talking with you as well at the end of class, I kind of just like boiled it down, like to just um, using your um, using your knowledge in the like an impact project, I kind of just tried to see like what was most aligned with my core values and what really spoke to me because my friend who had passed away, he was really always very happy. And at that time I was like, I, I must've been 12. Yeah. I, I didn't really have a great understanding for like how, what, what to ask him to make sure he, if he was okay or not. And I, I knew the doctors, I, I thought the doctors at the time were going to ask him that stuff. But as I did the search, it turns out that they didn't really ask him that. I actually saw a study that said that a lot of the doctors are well-equipped to talk to their parents, but most of the time the child and the patient is not involved in that conversation. So that's why I kind of decided to like branch off into that part and try to involve the child into their own mental health. Yeah. Beautiful. So you, over time, you identified the fact that doctors are, you, you say highly qualified and very comfortable talking to the parents. I completely agree with you. Also, doctors are very comfortable talking about your physical health, right? Uh, They're probably comfortable talking to the children about physical health, Mm -hmm. some more comfortable than others, right? Uh, But many of these doctors never got any training about mental health or how to talk about the emotions of the child who who has terminal cancer, right? Like this is a really big part of their of their lived experience, of their healing journey, of, of their, you know, the last few weeks or months of their lives, a big part of that is going to be their emotional experience. And Mm -hmm. so you've identified that problem. The fact that physicians maybe don't get enough training or don't feel comfortable enough, and maybe they need extra tools to help them with that critical part of this process. My question is, how did you, how did you figure out that was the problem you wanted to solve? Right. Because even in the world of mental health and mm -hmm. medicine, and even in the world of pediatric cancer patients, right. And mental health, there are a hundred different problems that you could be working on and you picked a really, really good one. So I guess I have two questions. Number one, how did you hone down and figure out that that's the problem you wanted to solve? And number two, how did you define it and confirm that that is a problem that needs to be solved? So the first thing I just, I, the, the, about the problem, how I figured it out, basically, I just kind of thought about my own experiences. And I thought, since I, I know a little bit about this topic and, you know, there's a lot of other people who know a lot about this topic. So I, I looked it up and it seems that a lot of the, the studies have to do with communication and then doctors are mainly uh, physical, uh, like physical doctors. And I also reached out to the psych- psychiatrist and I, I was talking to him about 
mental health and things like that. And um, I know psychiatrists are all about mental health and there's, there's that division. There's a mental health doctor mm-hmm. and there's a doctor doctor for like physical health. So right. what I kind of do is merge the two. So the way I decided that that was the problem that I wanted to work on was that there was so much literature on this specific topic that I knew that would help me in my journey to try to fix it. And there was so many resources and I, I use the phrase to ride the wave, which I really take to um, my impact project here because mm-hmm. I, I've written a lot of waves, so to speak. I've emailed a bunch of people and I've gotten in touch with many organizations and they all have been overwhelmingly positive and they're, they're all willing to like kind of hear me out. And it's very interesting to see that they all have the common problem that they're all trying to solve. And there's so many organizations that are trying to solve that. So it's really all about just finding that problem that has organizations that are trying to solve that problem because chances are if there's not an organization trying to solve the problem and it might not be a fun. Yeah. Oh, that's so wise. Such good advice. All right. So you nailed it down. You said, this is the problem I want to solve, which is brilliant, by the way. Impressive that you figured this out during phase two. A lot of people take a little bit longer and that's okay. So most, a lot of people listening to this are probably my current Ivy League Challenge students or Ivy League Challenge alumni or their parents. And um, we don't always hit a home run right off the bat, but Corey has already given some really good advice to increase your chances of hitting a home run. Um, let's talk just for a second about uh, an example of how that home run isn't always uh, right off the bat. So one one issue that happened when you talk about communication, you sent, you've sent three professional emails out so far and all three have responded, which is tremendous. Um, after one of our conversations after class, I told you, you know what? There's a person named Katie who mm-hmm. was in the Ronald McDonald home. And and uh, she's not only familiar with being sick herself, but she has stayed in that community for a long time since then. And her uh, desire is to make an impact through, you know, through the Ronald McDonald home and, and things like that. So you have a very, very highly aligned uh, impact project ideas. And so I reach out, I told you, I'm going to connect the two of you because I think this is just going to be perfect. And so I sent her and you an email immediately after our conversation. She wrote back with enthusiasm about 30 or 40 minutes later. And when I saw the reply come in, I thought, okay, it's done, right? Corey and Katie have found each other. Now I don't need to worry about it. And I didn't even look to, to see um, to reply or anything else. I figured you two have it, have it figured out. And then two weeks later, you email me and say, well, I still haven't heard back from Katie. And so this or that. And I said, what? You haven't heard back from Katie? Well, Katie replied to me, but did not reply all. And I didn't notice. I did read the email that said, you know, Corey, I can't wait to talk to you. Call me here or let's talk through email. What's best for you? Let's collaborate. This sounds great. I read the email and was excited, but I didn't pay attention to the uh, the the fact that she didn't reply all. So I assumed that you were connected when you weren't. And um, and so I just thought, you know, everyone needs to hear that Corey's had some outstanding results, but also some, you know, accidental misses. And this is a good example of that. And, and even today, as we're interviewing you, um, you know, we're still, I just barely today during our, our class realized that you two haven't connected yet. And so I'm sure you will soon, but that's the sort of thing that we run into as well. Have you had other kind of bumps or challenges like that, that, that 
might have thrown you off if you hadn't uh and and how did you respond like have you had I, other bumps like that i've had a lot uh, um in the very beginning i i was nervous about like i didn't know where my impact project was going to end because and then i heard one day in class you said it's good thing that you don't know where it's going to end because that means it's a good impact project nice. and that solidified my you know i was like okay thank god um so now that was the first bump that, you know, you, you kind of just overcame for me. But the second thing was when I first reached out to a researcher, they said that, you know, they weren't going to, they weren't able to work with me at that point. And that was a little discouraging at first. And then I realized I was like, okay, well, this is a good thing that gives me more opportunities to work with other people because, you know, this person was most probably the highest qualification person. It was like the best children's hospital in the country. Um, um, and those people, you know, there's certain niches for that. You know, they're, they're working on things that are like way out of my pay grade, so to speak, yeah. you know, they're working on like life-changing things. I'm trying to work on a specific small problem that I'm trying to fix. That's the thing of a good impact project is it starts small, then it gets big. Mm-hmm. But for me, the main thing about my hurdles was the researcher, when she wrote back and said no, um, that kind of like got me a little over the hurdle, so to speak, because I was able to realize that after the after she wasn't able to work with me, that opened so many other doors for other researchers to work with. So it's a hurdle, but it's also just like a little bit of a boost. So good. And this sort of thing happens all the time. So I happen to know the backstory with Katie, but you don't know the backstory with that researcher, right? You don't know why they said not at this time. Um, And and if I hadn't have followed up or if you hadn't told me, hey, I still haven't heard back from from Katie, I never would have known that you two hadn't actually connected. Yeah. And and you thought that she does just didn't reply and she thought she replied and you didn't reply to her. And that sort of thing happens all the time, too. So there's going to be bumps and we just kind of take them. Yeah. You just got to ride with it pretty much, you know, just see where it takes you. Uh, your impact project, once you get started, it should almost uh, drive itself, so to speak. You know, you, once you get it started, when you get the researchers on board, when you get the faculty members on board, when you when you really get it going, it, it'll kind of just keep going. I love it. I love this. Okay. So I'm curious, have you looked ahead and used my email templates uh, from the course? Because when someone signs up, uh, we teach phase one, phase two, phase three uh, sequentially, right? But as soon as you register, you get access to the entire course. So I'm, I'm curious, Corey, if you've looked ahead and actually downloaded some of the email templates, or if you've used any of the trainings from phase three, uh, because you looked ahead or have you just done it on your own? So it's a little bit of both. Actually. I, I looked a little bit of ahead to see if I, if like I, about the email templates, cause I heard, heard on a podcast that I was listening to of yours. Um, uh-huh. so I looked ahead at the email template and I kind of edited it to kind of fit my Perfect. own. Um, so my mom actually helped me. Uh, she, she writes emails a lot. So she helped me with like the structure of it. And, um, I, over time, I just kind of knew what structure I needed, and I was able to kind of write the other emails that I needed with that structure without having to go back and forth and back and forth. Perfect. So, um, yeah, yeah, I guess the answer would be yes. I looked ahead a little bit, and then I kind of edited it. Yes, and then you used your own resourcefulness. I yeah. love it. Uh, Corey, I think that's fantastic. Um, so what are you working on now? What's next for your impact project? Right now, the next step for me is to meet with the psychologist that I, uh, uh, tomorrow um, about my general idea and see if he's willing to implement the different screening tools into the oncologist that I'm planning on working with. Um, I have, I think I've emailed about another two oncologists uh, so far that I'm trying to work with. And I want to see if the psychologist will work with me 
to implement the screening tools and my emotional board idea. I'm just going to pitch the whole thing to him mm-hmm. um, and see what happens from there. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much where we're at right now. Beautiful. And I just want to remind everyone, we're literally weeks into this weeks into the Ivy league challenge, not even, uh, you know, not even finished with the 12 week course, the, the initial con, you know, condensed 12 weeks where it's really intensive. And then for the next nine months, we'll continue working together with uh, workshops and with new master classes. And then I hope, I assume you'll continue in the community even after the 12 months. Uh, but one last thought that I'd love to hear your voice on and, and just give you an opportunity to share with the world, your experience in the course. So we've we've talked about your experience building up the Ivy League Challenge, or excuse me, building up your impact project. And I'd love to hear your words to my audience. Uh, what has your experience been in the Ivy League Challenge and do you recommend it for teenagers like you? I 100% recommend it. It's been a life-changing course to me. Um, like this is like, I can't even like fathom how like life changing it has been. Um, when I first joined, like I was kind of thinking about like just continuing the website that I created to for fundraising and that would have been like a small thing. And then once I joined the course, I realized I could do so much more with that. And I realized that like, you know, I could really do something. I can make a difference, you know? And I, I feel like it, that's the thing that really kind of cemented that to me. It's like, I, I, I can make a difference. Um, and the, the course has just helped me like live life better, uh, especially with like the um, the four week challenge where you have to go to bed on time, you know, drink specific amount of water, exercise. And it really, really gets your life on track as well. Thinking correctly, you know, you just learn you learn so much about your own life and how how to live it properly to the most efficient way possible. And um, yeah, I hundred percent recommend it to anyone. Uh, it, it was an amazing course. Oh, that is so incredible. Corey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your wisdom about the the uh, impact project and where you're at so quickly. You've made so many good moves with that. I'm excited to hear how it evolves. I'm sure if you're open to it, uh, that we'll have you back on here again to give us you know updates later on. And thank you for sharing your your incredible endorsement of the course. We love thank having you. you in the class. You're a, a huge asset, and thank you for joining the podcast as well. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. Music for this episode came from We Are Here by Declare P. I'm Steve Gardner. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share with a friend. Thanks for listening.